Well, I thought that video was especially strong, don't you? <laughs> especially that guy on the left. I thought he had some really insightful comments. Well, uh, the, the war in Ukraine has grabbed our attention, even though it's half a world away for good reason, because the stakes are high. But as that guy on the left said, we are in the middle of a worldwide battle, and battles are being fought on our shores, in our lives, right here. The war, of course, is against the devil, who is an unseen spiritual being, and his army of demons, also unseen. And uh, in this war, the stakes are eternal. So um, what are, what's the objective of the enemy? What, what are their tactics, and how do we fight them? Another question to ask at the outset is, what do you struggle with? What do you struggle with? So our text today in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, constitutes a battle cry. This is a battle cry, a call to arms, if you will. Now, some people are uncomfortable with um, uh, warfare imagery being applied to the spiritual life, but I think the language matches the intensity and the seriousness of what's going on. Indeed, the stakes are high. So we're wrapping up our series in the book of Ephesians. We are calling this, or have called it, the mystery of Christ. And uh, we uh, see that in the book of Ephesians, the mystery of Christ concerns the redemption and, and the unification of humanity, even the unification of all creation. Heaven and earth gets unified uh, indeed, this is just an awesome thing to think about. So, um, but uh, why then do we still have a war to fight if the gospel concerns all of this? It's because the mystery is not yet complete. So until it is, we have a war to fight. So Ephesians chapter 6, let's begin at verse 10, looking down to verse 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So Paul says that our Battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means we don't wrestle against humans, but we wrestle against these spiritual forces of wickedness, different words applied to the devil and his demons. And if that's true, if we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, if we do not wrestle against humans, that liberates us then to obey Jesus' command in the Sermon, Sermon on the Mount to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. If our battle is not against humans, it's actually for humans. If our battle is not against humans, it's against spiritual forces. Then that liberates us to love people, liberates us even to love our enemies. Paul wants us to be strong in the Lord, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. And to do that, we put on the whole armor of God. We'll be looking at that in just a minute. And he wants us to be able to stand against the schemes of the evil one. And when the evil one attacks on the evil day, so to speak, because the days are evil, Paul says elsewhere, he wants us to be able to, with the full armor of God, to be able to stand against the evil one. So what is the evil one trying to do? 
Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What do we see here? What is Satan doing? He wants to have people walk according to the course of this world and in disobedience against God. That's the, that's the essential objective of the evil one, to get people to walk according to the course of this world and to disobey God. How does he do that? What's his methodology? He gets in people's heads. He wants them to think certain things. He puts things in people's minds so that they believe that which isn't true. Alternatively, he keeps things from getting into our heads, meaning the truth. He keeps the truth from getting, getting into our heads. So that's why it's so important to understand the truth, to believe the truth, to appropriate the truth so that you don't live in ignorance because Satan has blinded the minds of people in the world so that they don't even know anything about what actually is true. Why do people disobey God? Whether or not they know they are disobeying God, it's because fundamentally, for the most part, they believe it is advantageous to do so. Why do you lie? It's because there is an advantage to lying, for example. So we want to go back to the scriptures and understand what is true and live according to the truth. Vladimir Putin, on March 18th, rallied 200,000 pro-war Russians. And in order to rally the troops, by the way, Putin identifies as a Russian Orthodox Christian. And in order to rally the troops, he quoted Jesus saying, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That is blasphemous. And, it, and if you ask me, this man has opened himself wide open to the enemy. And the enemy has a demonstrated proclivity in the scriptures for misapplying the scriptures. See the temptation in the wilderness where, the, where Satan tempts Jesus three times from the scriptures, Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11. So how then do we stand against the evil one? Let's look at the rest of the passage, beginning at verse 14. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So now Paul says, once again, take up the whole armor of God, and the armor of God is derived from several passages in Isaiah in which it is God's own armor, and it's the armor of the, of the Lord's Messiah. So again, it's be strong in the Lord, take up the whole armor of God, don't be strong in your own strength. This is the Lord's armor, which we can 
appropriate for ourselves. So to understand what it means to be involved in spiritual warfare, to understand what Paul is talking about here, what you want to do if you see these words in the scriptures in a particular book, in order to help you understand these words, one of the things you want to do is go, hey, has the author anywhere else in this book spoken about such words or themes? And indeed, Paul has. This is, this is a remarkable verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, as you relate it then to the spiritual warfare passage in Ephesians 6. Paul says this, in him that is in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So we have five words here that are connected to the armor of God. Word, truth, gospel, salvation, believed, which is faith in uh, Ephesians 6. Uh, the word is connected to the sword of the spirit. The truth is connected to the belt of truth. Gospel is connected to the shoes. Salvation is connected to the helmet. And believed is connected to the shield of faith by which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So what is verse 13 in chapter one all about? It's about the gospel. That's what it's about. So then when you come to Ephesians 6, and Paul says, put on the full armor of God, and he's kind of echoing what he's already said, you think, oh, okay, this is about the gospel. It's about believing the gospel. It's about appropriating the gospel. It's about living out the aspects of the gospel that have been articulated for us in the scriptures, which raises the question, what's the gospel? Well, what have we seen in Ephesians? And what do we see in the rest of the scriptures, both the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament? I would define the gospel this way. The gospel is the story and the announcement concerning the victory of God over evil in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that victory includes, but is not limited to, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life for individuals. Now, that was a mouthful. I was trying to condense it, but still, I still haven't gotten the whole thing in there. But let me repeat that part or something along those lines once again. The gospel is the story and the announcement concerning the victory of God over evil in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that victory includes, but it is not limited to, the forgiveness of sins for individuals. As we see in, in the book of Ephesians, the gospel is cosmic in scope. It unites individuals, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free and mass, and everything, everyone comes together in Christ. Not only that, all creation comes together in Christ. The he heaven and earth are reunited in Christ. So indeed, the gospel is cosmic in scope. Therefore, embrace and live out the gospel. So uh, if this great victory then has been won over evil, and evil includes Satan and his demons, we might ask, why then is there still a war to fight? If God has won this great victory, if Satan has been defeated, why is there still a war to fight? It's because the kingdom of God has been inaugurated, but not yet consummated. The kingdom of God has come, but it has not yet been established. The kingdom of God has come, therefore the victory has been won. It is up to us by the power of the spirit to implement the victory of God. It is up to us by the power of the Spirit to implement the victory of God over evil. And here's the great secret in spiritual warfare that the devil doesn't want you to know. If God has already won this great victory in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, 
we have the advantage. We have the advantage. Insofar as we appropriate the whole armor of God and believe the gospel and live out the gospel, we have the advantage. Tom Brady is an interesting character, don't you think? He's 44 years old. He's about to be 45. He is the most decorated football player of all time. Grew up in San Mateo, by the way. Went to Sarah High School, sort of just down the road from us. So I have a special interest in Tom. And uh, so he finally decided earlier this year that he's going to retire. He's going he's to hang him up. And 40 days later, he unretired. So he's going to come back at age 45 in this incredibly violent sport to play at least one more year. Why is he going to do that? He tells us it's because he has unfinished business. Unfinished business? You've won seven Super Bowls. You're 44 years old, about to be 45. You're going to expose yourself to 350-pound men chasing after you and trying to crush you. What drives him? You know it's not the money. It's the competition. His teammates say he's the fiercest competitor they have ever seen. He is driven by competition. That guy in the video said, you know, we're kind of driven by competition. At least I am. I don't know about you. But here's what I think we should do with that. Channel it. If we have a competitive spirit, that often gets channeled in healthy ways and unhealthy ways. But one of the things we can do with that is channel it into this war. This is the war we should be fighting. All of our competitive instincts and impulses should be channeled into this war. In its purest form, the desire to compete is a desire to fight and defeat the evil one. So I'm not going to go through all of the aspects of this armor. For that, you can look at my write-up, which will be available online in a few days. But I do want to highlight two aspects because these are the aspects that Paul emphasizes. First of all, the shield of faith and then prayer. And he emphasizes these particular aspects in view of the word all. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. And then when he gets down to prayer in verse 18, praying at all times with all prayer, all perseverance, praying for all the saints. So these two uh, pieces of armor or activities are especially emphasized. So now let's think about the shield of faith. The shield, take up the shield of faith by which you are able to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So uh, this highlights a couple important aspects about spiritual warfare. Now the shield for the Romans was this long oblong shield and they would march into battle with these shields in front of them and each shield would overlap another soldier so that it would, it would create this wall of protection as these Roman soldiers would move forward against a stronghold or against a city. And they would be able then to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil, not the evil one, but flaming darts of their enemies which would be coming down from the city, so to speak. So, this tells us at least two things about spiritual warfare. Number one, it is not simply defensive, it is offensive. We are going on the offense with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are moving forward and we are protected as we do so insofar as we believe in Christ, insofar as we believe the gospel and appropriate the gospel. And the other aspect it points out is that it is communal. This is a communal effort. 
You don't go forward with your own shield of faith just all by yourself. You go forward as an army. So other people are interlocked with you and we're going forward for the sake of the gospel. We're protected and we're with each other. We need each other in this spiritual war. Now, let's think about prayer. What does Paul say about prayer? Pray, pray at all times. That doesn't mean pray all the time. It means pray during regular times of prayer and also at other times as well. Pray in the spirit as the spirit leads, as the spirit empowers. Pray all kinds of prayers, uh, praises, petitions, requests, laments. Use the whole toolbox of prayer. Be on the alert. Be aware of the things that are going on around you so that you know when to pray and how to pray. And then pray for all the saints, believers, that is. That doesn't mean pray for all the believers all the time. It means be aware that there are certain people who God might put on your heart, put in front of you, so that you can pray for them in the way that you need to pray at that time. So be aware. And when Paul asks for a prayer himself, what's his prayer request? It's interesting. He's an ambassador in chains. He's in prison for the sake of the gospel. You might think that he would ask for them to pray for him to be released from prison so he can go out and preach the gospel or make it maybe a little more comfortable for him in prison. He doesn't ask for that. Maybe if he had more space, he would ask for those things as well. But what does he ask for? He asked for boldness so that he can preach the gospel with the right words, with boldness as he ought to preach. That's what he asks for. He asks for boldness. So along these lines, I would ask you to pray for me because in two weeks from this spot right here, I will be preaching on Easter Sunday. Bring your friends. I'm going to preach the gospel. Pray for me that I would speak as I ought to speak with boldness and clarity and love that people would understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do we do with all of this? Well, by the way, I'm going to save the final verses for the sending out. So Paul's going to read those for us later. So first of all, fight well. Fight well. The battle is for the hearts and minds of men, women, and children, beginning with your own heart and mind. Fight well and fight for yourself. Here's the truth you need to know and believe. Everything you need is found in Christ and his ways. That's the truth. Everything you need is found in Christ and his ways. And the devil wants to make you think that you need to go outside of Christ, that you need to go outside of his ways to get your needs met. That's a lie. Everything you need is found in Christ and his ways. Therefore, think and pray along those lines. In Psalms 103 and 104, the psalmists are saying this throughout. Bless the Lord, O my soul. They are thinking. They are talking to themselves. It's as if their soul needs to be instructed. So what are they doing? They're getting, almost getting outside of themselves to say, you've got to believe this, soul. Here's the truth. You've got to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So we're thinking according to the truth and even talking to ourselves. Second, pray. There's that great prayer from that distraught father in Mark chapter 9. He says to Jesus, I do believe, what? Help my unbelief. We have to believe the truth, but let's face it, it is a struggle to believe the truth. Yes, talk to yourself, think it through, but ask for God's help so that he can help you in your unbelief. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Paul says this elsewhere. 
But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's what God wants. That's what the evil one wants to prevent. Wants to prevent you from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Let us then be devoted to Christ. All of us have battles to, fight, battles to fight based on our tendencies, our situations, our circumstances, and whatnot. And we need to fight well. Do you struggle with pride? The first of the so-called seven deadly sins, the worst of the sins, fight well. Do you struggle with the other six? Envy, anger, laziness, greed, gluttony, lust, fight well. Do you struggle with fear? The most oft-repeated command in the scriptures is along the lines of do not fear, fight well. Do you struggle with anxiety? Fight well. Do you struggle with being single? Fight well. Do you struggle with being married? Fight well. Do you struggle with addiction? Fight well. Do you struggle with mental illness? Fight well. Do you struggle with feelings of condemnation? Fight well. Whatever it is, whatever the struggle is, fight well, according to the truth that everything you need is found in Christ and his ways. Enlist others also in the fight. Don't fight alone. This is a communal effort. Share with others what you're going through. Ask them to pray with you. Lock arms with them. Get some prayer warriors on your side. There's this uh, TV series uh, called Band of Brothers. It was, came out several years ago, and it was about World War II, the Band of Brothers. And uh, in one particular episode, in the Battle of the Bulge, that's not going well. And the Allied troops have to hold this particular town in Belgium, and it's not going well. And the 101st Airborne Division comes in and tries to come into the rescue. And this, um, this one lieutenant says to the captain of the Band of Brothers as they're going to the front lines, you know, when you get there, you're going to be surrounded. And the captain says, Lieutenant, we're paratroopers. We're supposed to be surrounded. It's not supposed to be easy, folks. It's a war. It's awesome, but it's a war. It's not supposed to be easy. We have an enemy. It may feel at times that you are surrounded, but you've got to know also that God is surrounded in this battle. So fight for yourself, fight well, fight for yourself. Also fight for others. Fight for the hearts and minds of other men, women, and children. And I I just got to tell you, I'm seeing that happen all over the church. And I love the fact that we've we've got these, these thriving youth ministries and children's ministries, and we're fighting. That's one of the things we're doing. We're fighting for their hearts and minds. We have to fight then for others that they may believe that everything that they need is found in Christ and his ways because our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is for flesh and blood in the church, outside the church as well. Clara Fisher was a somewhat elderly woman in 1934. She was living in Gainesville, Texas, which, was about, which is about 75 miles north of Dallas, And one day she was sitting on her porch. She lived near the high school and she was watching the high school kids walk back and forth and they seemed aimless to her. 
So she had a tremendous burden for these kids, and she began to pray for these kids. And then she uh, enlisted several other women that she knew, and they all began praying for these kids. In fact, they met Monday mornings, every Monday morning, simply to pray for the high school kids over across the street at Gainesville High School. And they did this week in, week out, every week for six years. And one of the things they prayed for is that God would bring somebody to rescue these kids. So six years later, a man by the name of Jim Rayburn came to town, a young man, a seminary student with a vision to reach kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He got wind of this prayer meeting and he started joining in with these five, six women. Thus, way back then, in the 1930s, the ministry of young life was born. It is now, a wor- almost a century later, it is a worldwide ministry devoted to reaching the gospel of Jesus, reaching kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who knows how many kids have been reached with the gospel? Now, when these women were gathering to pray, do you think that they're praying, oh, 100 years later, let's pray for all those kids to come to Christ all over the world? I don't think so. I think they were praying for the kids right in front of them. But God used those prayers. Listen to what Jim Rayburn, who is the founder of Young Life, says. They prayed every Monday morning for six years, long before I ever heard of Gainesville, Texas. That was the thing the Lord used to start it in nowhere, Texas. Four, five, six women praying. Now, can you imagine what it will be like when we see the Lord face to face? Because if it is true what James says, that the effective prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much, then our prayers are accomplishing much more than we can ever hope or dream. But can you imagine what it's going to be like to see Jesus face to face, knowing what our prayers had accomplished when we didn't even know what we were praying for? So keep praying. Don't lose heart. With all perseverance, continue praying. So we have opportunities to pray in the church. Go to pbc.org slash bulletin. There are eight different prayer ministries going on in the church right now. This is an amazing thing. It's mostly sprung up from among you. You have a vision to pray. We're going along with it. This is great. So let me highlight two of those ministries. Number one, we're going to start praying again for people after the service in person. So we need people. We need prayer warriors. So when people come up for prayer, we can pray for them in person. I love praying for people, getting those texts to pray things. But when I'm in front of somebody, looking in someone's eyes, I'm hearing their prayer requests, I'm praying for them, I'm putting my hand on them. I did that after the first service. It's an awesome thing. If you want to be part of that ministry, go to pbc.org slash bulletin. Number two, we've been praying for Ukraine every Sunday at 10.30 a.m., right before the second service. And that's been a great thing as well. So you might want to consider those two prayer opportunities in addition to others. So we have to learn to fight well. Fight for yourself and fight for others as well. We are in the middle of a war. The victory has been won, but we are about implementing that great victory. Fight well, number one. Number two, find Christ. Find Christ in the fight. So if the devil wants to take us away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ, 
then when we're fighting the devil, what do we want to do? We want to find Christ. We want to find dependence on him. We want to find out how great he is, how awesome he is, how beautiful he is, how glorious he is. So find Christ in the fight. And I look out on you. I look out on Peninsula Bible Church, and I know so many of you, and so many of you have been through so much and are going through so much right now. I'm involved in three groups every week, and I hear that, and I hear other stuff, and I know that you're going through so much, but here's what, I'm, here's what I see. You are fighting well. You're fighting well. I mean, so many of you have been th- through so much, and you're still here. You're coming here. You're seeking the Lord. You're crying out to him. You are fighting so well. I see an army. I see an army of men, women, and children who are devoted to Jesus Christ. It is an awesome thing to see. So, fight well. Now, you may not get the victory you want in this life. You may be, it just may not come. In many cases, it's just not going to come. The forces of evil are strong, but one of the things that we have to deal with is our own weaknesses and our own tendencies, and maybe we never quite completely get over all of that. But if we find Christ in the middle of that, let me tell you this, that's the victory. That is the greater victory than the victory that we would want over whatever thing is upsetting us. That's the victory. Find Christ in the middle of it all, and you will be victorious. So until the time when Jesus comes back and sets everything right and completely liberates us, fight well. Fight for yourself and fight for others. I would invite you to stand. And as you do so, I'm going to pray for us. It seems appropriate that we pray at this point in the service. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Let's come before the Lord. Uh, Lord, I, I, uh, I want us to fight well. I want you to help us to fight well. I pray that you would help us to fight well. Help us to think through these things. It's not all to be said about spiritual warfare, but one of the things we need to do is to think through, to apply our minds, to apply our hearts to that which is true. Help us to do that. And then, Lord, uh, help us to cry out. Help my unbelief. And, Lord, uh, help us to fight for others as well. Lead us into those arenas in which we can do battle with the evil one for the sake of love, for the sake of love for men, women, and children. I know it's a struggle. It's supposed to be a struggle. But Lord, um, I want us to see it also as a privilege. It's this great privilege that we have to be spiritual warriors for the sake of the gospel. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Fortress is our God.